The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck. Like a rugged half-ton Tundra, workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design. The Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma, delivering trail-dominating power in captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. And with new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. And when you buy a Toyota truck, you buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. Welcome back to Make You All Daily, presented by Ben MGM, Eddie Gross, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. And joining us now to talk a little NBA is Rick Camp of FTN and 444, 444. Make sure to follow him on X at Rick C. Camp. Rick, thank you so much for joining us. We greatly appreciate it. I know there have been NBA games uh, since Christmas, but when we're talking about the 25th and maybe even dabbling into Tuesday as well, what are the biggest lessons learned that we can take with our NBA bets going forward? I think it's interesting looking at, you know, a team on the slate tonight in, in terms of Phoenixes, they're getting more healthy, just even though they're not playing well, trying to figure out what exactly are their rotations? Is it going to be a consistent rotation? I think that's probably something Frank Vogel's uh, working through right now and just, how much is the struggles that they're having due to like just them not being good versus trying to figure everything out. And, you know, the things that a lot of other teams were doing in the first few games of the year, now that you're getting maybe, maybe going to be getting a little bit more consistent Bradley Beal, at least until somebody breathes on him again, what is that going <laughs> to do to all the road, you know, the rotations in that regard. And I still just, you know, even with Boston looking the way they do, as and this is probably part of the reason when it comes to a lot of playoff futures, I tend to wait till later in the season just because I want to see how these teams evolve a little bit and get a little bit closer because even though I might lose some value on teams, I think there's still generally enough value close to the playoffs as long as you're maybe not betting on the favorite necessarily. I still wonder about Boston in the clutch in the clutch like they they still worry me a little bit even though they have looked awesome overall so i guess when i look at at those teams and i just try to wonder too with like milwaukee's another team that i think of even though they they lose to the knicks just that in the context of how they're playing is what can can they do enough to just get the defense good enough just good enough because like looking at their last few weeks third on offense 12th on defense, if they could do that, 
then I think they might be okay, but it's just not consistent enough where it seems like they get boom performances and bust performances to where I don't know what I can trust. And especially, like, as I look at the East, I think it makes it really fascinating because you look at those top three teams, Boston's clearly the best, but when you get to those clutch moments, can one of those other teams, whether it's Philly or Milwaukee, who's maybe better set for those moments, be able to make up some of the difference of what they lack throughout the rest of the game. Well, one team we know we don't have to worry about is the Detroit Pistons. They broke the (laughs) NBA single season record with their 27th loss in a row. I saw someone tweeted that the Diamondbacks have won more recently than the Pistons. You got to go back to October 28th. It's crazy. And there's all kinds of fun ways you can bet on them, like Pistons next win, under nine and a half wins is plus 240. Is there anything that interests you when looking at the Pistons? I took a little of that under nine and a half when it was at different odds. I want to say it was two games ago. Uh, that number was much closer to like 750, I want to say. So I took a little oh, bit of that. Nice. The thing for me with the Pistons, and maybe this is just being too stuck on my priors on players. I think it's a horrifically constructed roster. Not that they're necessarily trying to win a ton right now, but I think Cade Cunningham is better than the reputation he's getting because he's the best player on this team when like a lot of people that I trust that are a little more X's and O's heavy than I am are basically like they are doing organizational malpractice to try and figure out what Cade Cunningham is because of the lack of shooting, because of trying to do this double big thing. So they, they're they horrific. They're going to remain horrific the rest of the year. And the thing is, too, that last win came against the Chicago Bulls when Zach Levine scored 51 points, and they needed every bit of that 51 to stay close in that game because the Pistons dominated that one. What are we supposed to do with the Memphis Grizzlies? Because, yes, they are a different team, and they are a more successful team with Ja Morant in that lineup. But at the same time, how much do those first 25 games matter when it terms when it comes to analyzing what the Grizzlies can do going forward? Is, say, there's still value somehow in them making the playoffs or winning the division, anything like that? I don't think in the division, especially, I I think your higher end outcomes were hurt most by that 25 games, just because it's, it's such a huge hole to climb out of. Like I had, when the, when it was a few games before Ja came back, I put something small on them to win the division at 49 to one, hoping they would maybe eke out one or two of those last few games before he came back and then have Ja come back and really get on a roll and at least maintain some sort of relative distance because, I mean, of the division leaders right now, I think it, Dallas is, is a questionable one. So between Dallas and New Orleans, like I had, I played a stronger position earlier when New Orleans was really starting to get rolling. So I have them like, I think it's plus 320 to win the division. Dallas playing better lately has kind of pushed that number closer to that again. But I think that's okay for Memphis. I, I think a lot, of the, a lot of the value is gone from their stuff right now because I got a little of them to make the play in when it was around just around four to one or so. So I was 
trying to find some value on them before Jock came back, but especially with how he came back in that first game, I think a lot of the juice got squeezed out of that. Yeah. Uh, what do you like for today? Pretty decent slate. Is there a side total or props that you're on? I think it's it's interesting the way the slate lines up, just with the road teams have the better rest advantage in every game. And in five of your six games, the home team is on the second night of a back-to-back. Uh, the one prop that I, I'm definitely on so far is Isaiah Hartenstein over 10.5 boards is plus money. And that's just because, is he better than Chet Holmgren? Of course not. But OKC's strategy is, hey, we're going to give up rebounds to be able to have everything else. And, like, Hartenstein is going to get time because the only bigs on the roster are him and the corpse of Taj Gibson. And I love Taj Gibson, but, like, (laughs) it's rough when even Tibbs knows he can only run him out there for maybe 15 minutes. So if you know you're getting 30-plus minutes of Isaiah Hartenstein in this matchup, he's going to be on the boards. He has 10, 13, and 8 boards in his starts, and one of those was with a lot of foul trouble. So as long as he can stay out of foul trouble, I think that's going to be a real good matchup with a high floor for him especially. So if you want to hit a couple alts, like try and ladder that play a little bit, I wouldn't stop anybody from doing that just because he's going to have a big night. And I wonder, too, if I haven't bet anything on it yet, but is Julius Randle going to be able to just be more physical than whoever they have guarding him, whether it's someone like Lou Dort or J-Dub? I think that's an opportunity for the Knicks, even though generally I like OKC in that game. I haven't bet that one yet, but I think as long as it stays under a possession, I'm going to bet Oklahoma City at some point. They've been very good on the second night of back-to-backs. So that's one that I'm definitely looking at. I want no part of Toronto-Washington. I think generally it would be a Washington spot if it wasn't a back-to-back because Toronto away from home has not been very good. Uh, And then Philly-Orlando, I just want to look more into what the Sixers have been without Joel Embiid because you have some nights where it's, okay, Maxi has been really ball-dominant and scoring-dominant, and then you have a couple other performances, especially that first game against Minnesota, where the scoring was very balanced, where maybe there's some value on the secondary scores. So that's something else I'm just keeping an eye on. He's Rick Camp of 4 for 4. Also check out the I'm Fat podcast, which he hosts wherever you podcast. He's here on BeckQL Daily. So let's talk about the Mavericks and Luka Doncic, because that 50-point performance he had on Christmas night was certainly something to behold. And while certainly many people are still going to believe that he can win MVP, we've also seen this dance before where, you know, later in the season, because of his usage rate being so high, he starts to taper off a little bit. But I wonder if this season could be different and or if there is a point in the season where maybe you start to string some under bets on him together because he could wear down. I I still am a little leery of, and clearly with how I bet previously, of the Mavs in general and also Luka just because he's still going to play his way to a point. Even if, let's say, Kyrie Irving gets healthy and he plays consistent, once he comes back, he's playing consistently the rest of the way. I still worry about them just because teams are starting to move away from heliocentric offenses, which is basically just one dude does everything. You're starting Mm -hmm. to see a little bit movement 
away from that. And I think that kind of coincides with like moving away from like the three-star model and all that type of stuff. He's got the opportunity. The numbers are going to be there. I think it's just he's put up the numbers to such a degree from day one that I think even though he hasn't won an MVP, it's already getting taken for granted. Like, what would they have to do? I mean, if they ended up being, let's say, top three, top four, like if if they are a home court first-round team, I think that at least lets him be in the discussion just because the bar is so high because of what Embiid, what Jokic are are doing. Because then, like, where is he tier-wise? Is he on the same line with, Giannis, where the team is imperfect, but he is such a big engine of what they do. And obviously it's a little different for each of those guys, but like a second tier guy at the moment is probably what I would consider him. And if, cause also if Oklahoma city stays as hot as they are, like you can't ignore Shea Gilgis Alexander and the fact that he fits the mold of an MVP to the point where he got votes last year. He was on the ballot and not just way down the ballot. I want to say he finished fifth last year, which is significant. So it would take a lot for Dallas to get there for me. I don't think it's in the cards this year. Like, I just don't know how much I trust the roster outside of the top couple guys, just because even though they're getting a little bit better here and there in terms of having two-way players, it's still just so dependent on those two guys and especially Luca that while you could say that feeds towards it, I think it also limits their ceiling to the point where if that win total is not there, can Luca even get into the discussion? Yeah. And it's interesting that SGA has the same value as Doncic, but I like the case for Shea Gilgis Alexander a bit more. If you had to place an MVP bet today, or maybe some of our listeners are looking to jump in, what would you do? I don't think there's a great spot right now because I've said this before and it's really frustrating to me. I like how the, if I was to put out the odds for a lot of these awards at the moment, I actually think it's pretty good. Like it's, it's fairly, it's pretty right at the moment. I still think it probably, it's one of those top two guys. I, I just don't see it not being Embiid or Jokic. At this moment, I don't think there's great value on either of them. But if you were looking for someone out of those, outside of those top two, just to have – I don't even know if you can consider it a flyer at this point, considering the price, but it's probably Shea. Like, if I was forced to, to put something on anything outside of those two guys, it's probably Shea at this point. I, I wonder if the – Jokic number will ever get past what it is, and BetMGM does have the best price at the moment at 325. So if you are looking for an entry point on Jokic, this might not be a bad spot for it. So, but I, I don't know that I could bet MB right now as the favorite. I, two to one is the best number that I'm seeing. I would want a little bit better than that, and I almost wonder if everybody just like missed the boat if you're trying to jump in now. Rick, this may have less to do with a, are you going to place this bet question, more of a, are you going to keep an eye on this player question? When I look at the rookie of the year market, uh, Chet Holmgren and Wimby, yeah, they're almost neck and neck as far as uh, odds to win rookie of the year. But uh, Jaime Jaquez uh, out of Miami Heat, went to college at UCLA. 
he's been really impressive for the Heat. And I wonder at 35 to 1, maybe you don't pull the trigger right now, but at least you keep an eye on him to see if he can sustain that success. I think he's a zero to win. I think the numbers for the for uh, Chet and Wemby are just so good that they one of those two is winning. However, mm-hmm. I have played I placed a bet a couple weeks ago. I think it was a couple weeks ago. I don't know. This time of year, they all everything blends <laughs> together on Hakez for Sixth Man of the Year. Okay. Just because at the at the time I didn't really like a lot of the the, the front running options. It's still there's still a lot of volatility. I think it's starting to shake itself out a little bit with Reeves, Hardaway, Bogdanovich, and Cole Anthony being your top four. That sounds right to me. But I do think that Hakez is poorly priced. Like there's still a, a 100 to one on the board. I got it at 250. Like I see anywhere he's priced anywhere from 100 to one to 40 to one. So the market's all wow. over the place on him, but he's consistent. He's um, he's not, now it's not as consistent with Tyler Hero back, but he's still finding his way when he's in the starting lineup for Jimmy Butler. So he's getting those minutes, and even when he's coming off the bench, he has a set role. He scores a good amount, does a lot of things, and that team might win enough for him to be able to be in the running for that. So I just think there's still value on him. Rick Camp from 4 for 4 and BetSperts. Thank you so much for your time. We greatly appreciate it. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, Kelly Ford will talk a little college football as we get ready for the semifinals in a few days. That's right here on the BetQL Network. We'll be right back with BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. And joining us now to talk a little college football is Kelly Ford of Kelly Ford Rankings, which you can check out at kfordratings.com. You can also check out his work at thelines.com. Kelly, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Let's jump right on into the college football semifinal, and let's begin with the Rose Bowl between Alabama and Michigan. I know we have had a long time to dissect this game. As you look at things a little bit more deeply and look at additional matchups and maybe even the coaching uh, advantage or disadvantage somewhere, has something new come to the surface? Have you noticed something that maybe has you adjusting your model just a little bit? Yeah, Ed, uh, happy holidays to you and Aaron. Appreciate you guys having me on. As always, you're right. It's been a long time. These coaches have a long time to repair. Oftentimes that favors the underdog, which does sound weird to say here. That is Alabama in this case. We're not used to saying that. But oftentimes that's kind of what you find in these games that have the long layoffs. As I've really dove into it, nothing, quote, new has popped off the page to me. But just, you know, at a, at a high level here, Michigan's been my number one power-rated team since the midpoint of the regular season. They boast the nation number one offense and number six defense by my numbers the Wolverines have the highest floor Ed of any team in college football they simply don't play poor games the seven point win at Maryland who I actually have power rated in the top 35 so still a good opponent it's probably their worst performance of the season outside of maybe sleepwalking in the first half against really bad opponents early in the year Um, and even in that game against the Terps you can say Michigan likely already had an eye towards the game against the Buckeyes the following week so Depending on what source you use, Michigan has at least nine national championships to its name. But per my historical power ratings, 
This is the best team ever fielded in Ann Arbor. They simply wow. don't have a weakness this year, Ed and Aaron. I mean, that's, that's what it boils down to for me on the Michigan side. On the other side, for Alabama, not only is this not the best Alabama team ever like it is for Michigan, this is the worst Alabama team, <laughs> at least per my power ratings, since 2013. But as I've said time and time again this season, Alabama did not need to be better than the previous versions of itself. The Crimson Tide only needed to be better than the teams on its schedule in 2023. And outside of that week two game against Texas, that's exactly what Alabama has been this year. If Michigan has the highest floor of any team in the college, in college football, Alabama has the highest ceiling, at least of the teams in the CFP. I mean, one week after needing a fourth and goal from the 31 to beat a 6-6 six and six Auburn team, albeit in a rivalry game, I get all that. This, this Crimson Tide team, they took down two-time reigning national champs, Georgia, in Atlanta. The Tide's defense is currently number seven in my unit rankings. It's been as high as number four. The offense bottomed out at number 29 early in the year. They've rebounded all the way back up to number 12. Ed, my model makes this Michigan minus four and a half. So strictly based on that, the recommendation would be to lay the points with the Wolverines. But as you pointed out, with a month to prepare, I think it's more likely than not that we do get Alabama's A game. And as I said, they have the higher ceiling. If we do, I think it's enough to win this game outright. Either way, the winner of this game should be favored in the national championship game. Wow. So do you think the the fact that Michigan didn't play like the same type of competition that Alabama did could like kind of catch them here? Does that concern you? It's it's a good question, Aaron. I'm not sure I have that concern about Michigan because we've seen them go on the road to Penn State, who I have power rated number four. And people will say, Kelly, their offense is terrible, that Penn State offense. It's not terrible. I mean, it's top 25 good, but it's not like a great offense. I'll give you that. They also played Ohio State at home, an Ohio State team who, for some reason, was not getting any conversation. Like Georgia was, hey, well, if we want the four best teams, Georgia's in there. No one was mentioning Ohio State when, if you look at it from a numbers perspective, from a Vegas perspective, Georgia's got that two-time defending national champion. Ohio State doesn't have that, obviously. But based on what we saw this year, Ohio State is one of the best four teams in the country. Michigan took care of their archrival Buckeyes third straight year at home, winning by six. So those are their two most high-profile games and high-profile wins. It's not concerning to me, Aaron, that they haven't been, quote, battle-tested against better teams because I think at their top-end games, they've shown they can win, and this team can win different ways. I mean, this defense, it's so good. It's the number one defense in the country. Anytime you have a defense that good, you're going to have a chance to win the game, and I don't think this offense makes a lot of mistakes. And so to me, that's what it boils down to. That's why this floor is just so high for this Michigan team. They're not going to beat themselves. This might be a tough dynamic to, I guess, quantify, but this is what we do, right? Like we tackle the tough challenges and try and put numbers to it. So when we get to the Sugar Bowl and we're talking about Texas versus Washington, of course, the Longhorns are four-point favorites, total 63 and a half. So we're expecting uh, two high-flying offenses in a game like this. I guess my question has more to do with how Texas will approach a game like this, because I I'm completely with you, uh, you know, in terms of modeling and just, you know, intuition that yes, the winner of the Rose bowl should be favored to win the national championship. uh, Once you get to that game. But I do wonder if say like Texas breaks out some of the trickery, how much they want to do that in the sugar bowl versus the national championship game. And it's one of those deals where you and I both know that anytime head coaches say, okay, we're taking this one game at a time. No, that's hogwash. It's not true. The players might, but the coaches definitely, they are planning ahead if they've got stiff stiff competition coming up. So I'm curious really for Texas and maybe to an extent, Washington, 
if it's something where maybe they reserve some of those trick plays and all of those, you know, chunk opportunities for the national championship game. And if that say can be quantified in some way. Yeah, it's for, for, I agree with you, Ed, and the coaching staffs are large enough now that the majority of the focus is on Washington. However, as soon as the bracket was released, there were some people on the coaching staff, and this is not just at Texas, this is on all four teams that were assigned, okay, you're going to look at the two different, you're going to look at one of the opponents, you're going to look at the other possible opponent we could have in the national championship game if we win. And you're right, you do want to maybe save something for that national championship game. We have to be careful because you have to make that game, obviously, right? For Texas, Texas is back, right? All too common saying this past decade, people either started laughing at it, they rolled their eyes at it, and then laughed, or they simply ignored it. But it's like the boy who cried wolf. Like, it just kept saying it over and over and over. It never ended up being real. Well, finally it happened. You know, the wolf came. Here we are. Texas is back. And my power ratings, along with some others out there, kind of forecasted that we were building towards this. I mean, per my historical ratings, this is the best Texas team since 2009. That was the year Colt McCoy got injured in the national championship game, and they lost to Alabama. This team is legit. I don't think they need to resort to trickery in this game, Ed. You know, a play, two plays, but I really don't think so. The the trickery is reserved for the teams that need to make up for the talent disadvantage. And Washington fans might get offended that I'm saying that, but the reality is there is a talent edge here for Texas. It's why they're a favorite. My numbers agree with that. This offense ranks number nine. The defense is number 10. Overall, I have the Longhorns number seven in my power ratings. That's actually one spot lower than they were in the preseason. But their raw rating is about three and a half points better now than it was in the preseason. This will be the best opposing offense the Longhorns have faced all season. So on the defensive side, they're going to have to be shored up. But from a pure talent standpoint, it's clear why they're the favorite here for Vegas and for my model. So I don't expect we'll see a lot, if any, of trickery from Texas, especially on the offensive side, because that's where they have kind of an advantage. And they might need those trick plays uh, in the national championship game should they get there. Also, for the Longhorns, how much of an advantage is it that they have all these really good receivers versus a very vulnerable Husky secondary? That's exactly it, Aaron. I mean, that's that's what this game boils down to for me. We, we can talk all we want about the Washington offense and, and how good they are, led by Michael Penix Jr., but the question mark is the defense. And I want to be clear, the defense is better this year than I projected coming into the year. I had them number 50 in the projections. They rose to as high as number 23 early in the year, but they have since fallen kind of steadily and gradually down to number 40. That's where they've kind of lived for the last month, month and a half. That is the big question mark. That is the only unit in this game that ranks outside the top 10 nationally, and it is the secondary uh, in particular matching up against those Texas receivers. I mean, that's the big difference. Can Washington get enough stops? Can they shut down that great receiving core of Texas? And if they can, Aaron, there's no reason that Washington can't and won't win this game. I mean, they've proven me, they've proven Vegas wrong multiple times this (laughs) year. If they can win that key matchup, I'll go out on a limb and say they're likely to, to to prove us wrong once again. So what does your model say for the Sugar Bowl and how this will play out? Yeah, so like I said, I've doubted the Huskies before. I'm doing it again. Um, <laughs> I've drawn a lot of I've drawn a lot of parallels between the 2022 TCU team and the 2023 Washington team. And Husky fans, I mean, they seem to get offended by that. It's really not it's really not meant to be an insult at all. Yes, the Horn Frogs got blown out in the national championship game against Georgia last year, but they made the national championship game. 129 other programs would have loved to have been in TCU's position. Um, I just 
I think this Washington team has a lot of similarities there. They just keep winning, even when the power ratings, like mine, suggest that they won't. My model does have Texas by about five and a half, so a little bit more than Vegas in this one. But I'm telling you right now, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Washington finds a way to get it done in this game, just like TCU did as an underdog last year. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. In about two and a half hours, we'll have some football. Virginia Tech versus Tulane. Anything you like in this matchup? Let me go to that really quickly here. Uh, for this game, Tulane, of course, not having the end of the year that they envisioned. Uh, everyone around that program wanted to get back to the new year six. Um, not quite the same level of talent as last year's team, but better than the 2021 team. So still a really good team in Tulane. Um, they're my number 20 biggest overachievers this year. Two and a half points or two and a half wins more than expected. Excuse me for Virginia Tech. Um, I mean, a really good season from a power rating standpoint. They improved their power rating four and a half points over the course of the year. They only won about one more game than projected, but from a pure, you know, performance standpoint, Virginia Tech, a very, very good team. My numbers make this one about Virginia Tech minus nine. So I think it's pretty darn close to the Vegas spread. So not a ton of value in this game for me. Also, Aaron, as I'm sure you guys have talked about in bowl season, I mean, Outside of really the national or the CFP, because even the New Year's Six, you see yeah. so many factors at play. Player opt-outs, transfers, coaches changing jobs, different levels of motivation. Is this team just here for the vacation, right? That's what we always hear. 
handicapping bowl season, I just kind of put my hands up. I, I don't know. I mean, they're fun. <laughs> I, I love watching the bowls. It's really hard to, to find value, at least in my opinion, in these bowls because there's so many different factors at play in bowl season that just aren't at play in the regular season when I don't have to account for these things. The model performs really, really well. When you have to try to make these adjustments, there's a lot of guesswork, and that's where I'm like, oh, the science isn't really there. Now I'm Now I'm doing the art. No, that's that's part of it, and and also too, like you'll have bowl games that might be uh, closer distance for one team versus another, like the Duke's Mayo Bowl, where North Carolina is playing in Charlotte, but they're six point <laughs> underdogs to West Virginia with a total of fifty nine and a half. So that's probably another one where yes, you have this additional factor that you have to bear in mind. And even though home field advantage is a real thing, you go, okay, well, does it matter in a bowl game when tickets are allocated? <laughs> totally travel is absolutely one of those things you're looking at too in this game my numbers again with with all the different opt-outs and the things that we're looking at the model really nailed north carolina at full strength this year uh finished the year within a half a point of where the power ratings were finished the year right on the money with the win-loss projection so north carolina their offensive defensive unit ranks both within about five of where they started north carolina was was spot on in the model this year west virginia a team that overachieved i mean they won three and a half three more games than we projected coming into the year that's a top 10 overachiever three and a half points improvement in the power rating from preseason to current uh in this game with the opt-outs that we have absolutely can understand why West Virginia is a favorite if we were at full strength here I think that might be a different story especially given where you said this game was taking place there in Charlotte but yeah West Virginia should win this game based on who's playing and just how excited teams are to be here right like North Carolina they were they weren't the favorite in the ACC but they were among the favorites like this team had their eyes on potentially playing in Charlotte not now in the Duke's Mayo Bowl but a month ago in the ACC championship game with maybe a surprise trip to the CFP if, if things broke right that of course didn't happen West Virginia going into the season Neil Brown like everyone wants to fire Neil Brown oh this is it let's just lose a couple of games early get rid of him well they turned it right around and had one of their best, get, best seasons in a long time so Yes, I think West Virginia probably does enough to win this game. But again, it's bowl season. I mean, for crying out loud, we're going to pull May poor Mayo on the winning coach here. I don't know what's going to happen on the field here, but West Virginia should win the game. <laughs> Gross. That just seems wasteful. I would, just wasteful. That sounds Aaron. like a punishment. <laughs> Ugh, no, thank you. Yeah, so right. do you have a strong opinion with all these variables that, you know, we have to factor in for these bowl games? Any of these uh, bowl games that we haven't touched on that you have a strong opinion about? Yeah, I think from a power rating standpoint, the one, let me try to find it really quickly, the one that I'd identified for the post-Christmas, uh, I had one pick for the post-Christmas uh, straight-up upset. Give me one second, let me find them as I'm trying to filibuster here, because I can't remember who it was. <laughs> I did call the Georgia Tech um, outright winner in the pre-Christmas, so that one did work out. Here we go, post-Christmas, Oregon State, at least at the time I was doing this, was about six-and-a-half point underdog. I think they might be able to win it outright against Notre Dame and a game coming up here before too long. Rice, four and a half, is one that I was looking at as well. We, oh, we've already played that game. Forget that. Um, and then Maryland, if you could find a plus three, is what I had made the note of uh, previously here. So for me, it's Oregon State. They've got their game against Notre Dame coming up. I believe it's on Friday. But as we were talking about before we came on air, I kind of forget what day it is during this time of year. So one of these <laughs> days coming up here, Oregon State's going to play Notre Dame. I think Oregon State, as an underdog, might have a chance to win that game outright. Again, it worked with Georgia Tech against US, or UCF. Excuse me. Uh, we'll see if Oregon State can come through as well. Yes, Notre Dame is taking on Oregon State in the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. So, in other words, you're saying that the Beavers are great? <laughs> the Beavers are great, Ed. You nailed it right there. Absolutely.
<laughs> there we go. <laughs> Kelly Ford of kfordratings.com and thelines.com. Happy New Year to you and yours. Thanks so much for dropping by. We greatly appreciate it. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, Aaron reaches through the camera to slap me across the cheek for that joke. And we'll get to lightning bets as well right here on the BetQL Network. Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross and Aaron Hawksworth here with you, and we will get to our lightning bets in just a bit. But first, a tweet popped up on the old TL that I should probably bring up here. And as we look ahead to week 17 of the NFL slate, from Ian Rappaport, the commanders are making a quarterback change with two games left. Following his impressive performance on Sunday, Jacoby Brissett will start against the 49ers. Coach Ron Rivera is announcing. That means Sam Howell is off to the bench. We had Brad Spielberger on earlier in the festivities, so please make sure to check out our podcast in case you missed that conversation. But he said that the Commanders are probably one of those few teams who are looking to tank in Week 17. And starting Jacoby Brissett, even though we have a lot of respect for his play, that might be a symptom of it. So, Aaron, what do you think about uh, this move and what it could mean in that contest as uh, the 49ers are, what, two touchdown favorites, give or take? Yeah, I mean, I fully agree. I mean, I live like half a mile from the practice facility. Everyone's already been looking ahead to turning the page around here. This isn't breaking news. It's not shocking. <laughs> Fading the commanders just seems like the way to go. I guess maybe some players might for their own resume get up to play this game if you're on Washington but I think everybody would be happy to move on like with the new ownership they're looking to clean house completely uh after the season mm-hmm. and we've been hearing Jonathan Allen for months now saying that you know he wished he was on a different team so it it'll be interesting to see what happens cuz there's a lot they need to fix <laughs> Yeah, I I believe that wholeheartedly. And even though, uh, you know, Jacoby Brissett could be an improvement in some ways, at the same time, you know Washington wants to get a quarterback. And so whatever kind of evaluation process this might be, this is more about moving on. This is exactly what you're talking about as far as the reports are concerned. Couldn't agree with you more. Uh, So, yes, uh, probably back to 49ers, regardless of this news. It may not change very much as far as how we bet on that game. Uh, any other uh, futures or awards uh, markets uh, conversations we should bring up? Uh, perhaps uh, comeback player of the year, coach of the year, uh, anything we left on the table there we should bring up? I mean, comeback player of the year is really interesting. Like, I do like the Joe Flacco look. It's It'll be fascinating to see what they do with this award, you know, because of mm-hmm. DeMar Hamlin and the very unique situation there. Um you know, we were talking with Jake, I think, off air about like them naming, you know, an award after him or what, you know, the mm-hmm. different conspiracy theories that involve that situation. And it's just sort of unprecedented where you don't know. But we keep we've seen, you know, it come off of what minus 400 and now it's what minus 275 or something like that, I guess, depending where you look. Um, I would look at Flacco and just kind of root that for something different to happen there if you did want to jump in now Mm -hmm. i do wonder if the reason why we're giving so much chatter we're creating so much chatter over joe flacco is just we're 
I hate to say bored of the DeMar Hamlin story, but we probably wanted more. We want him to play more, have more snaps, you know, have some, you know, more tackles, things like that. And it just hasn't happened. And so we want this feel good story to have sort of a neat and tidy ending. And because it didn't, that's why we're talking about it in the first place. And I guess as far Mm -hmm. as where I am in all of this, like, you know, I kind of alluded to it earlier, but with Joe Flacco, if he plays out the rest of the season, he'll only have started six games. And I wonder if that's enough because Alex Smith had eight, Ryan Tannehill had 12. Everybody else who won this award played the entire season. And it's also why I think someone like a Baker Mayfield might be a better play at 10 to one to win this honor because he has played the entire season. He won a quarterback battle that probably should have gone to a younger quarterback, but Mayfield took it over. This offense really does revolve around him and it's become a fun team to watch. And I think on top of all of it, the fact that they are likely to win this division when they had a first place schedule, and I would argue a significantly significantly tougher schedule than everybody else in that division. I mean, they had to play the Eagles and the Bills when other teams didn't, I think there's something to be said for that. And maybe there is an honor that should be bestowed upon Mayfield. See, that's where I go. Ooh, I think they just, if it came down to Baker or DeMar Hamlin, I think the voters would go to Mar. I mean, it's impressive mm-hmm. what Baker's done. I don't want to discount that, but it's not like the Alex Smith thing, or I right. just don't know if it's impressive enough. Like, I hate to say it like sexy enough. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's cool. It's great. Um, but I don't know if he should win an award for it, you know? And, and maybe that's where I am with Flacco, you know, like I, I, I think it's a cool story. Cool story, bro. Comeback. What's that? (laughs) Cool story, bro. (laughs) Cool story, bro. Yeah, that's where I am with it. Like, DeMar Hamlin is just so different, and the PR machine can generate a little bit more substance with it and some more stories and more things, you know, that are tearjerkers. Like, that can still happen with Hamlin. I don't know if that can happen with Flacco where it's like we're crying over it, you know? And also, like, Flacco has had five interceptions in two games, the last two games. He'd have to be, like, incredible – and he still might not win it. You know what I mean? Like, exactly. he would have probably had to be perfect this whole time, which he hasn't right. been. No, it's still been good, but maybe that's why Kevin Stefanski wins Coach of the Year. Like, maybe that's how that mm-hmm. gets addressed in that award, you know, because you got to give somebody something, and maybe that's how that happens. So we shall see. Let's move on now to lightning bets. And I've got three bowl games for you to bet upon. I will start with Tulane plus 10 and a half. I get they don't have their head coach. I get they don't have their starting quarterback. But you know what? They have everybody else. Willie Fritz left the program, but his assistants, they are there to coach the bowl game. To me, that matters. Also, Tulane didn't have, say, Michael Pratt for the entire season. They looked more than serviceable enough against Ole Miss and win the game, but they still looked impressive to me. So I don't think they have to make nearly as many adjustments as the market is implying, so I think they can cover the number. Then in the Dukes-Mayo Bowl, UNC plus six. 
I don't know how much home field advantage matters, but let's say it matters. You know, let's say you split the difference and it's worth a point or a point and a quarter or something like that. That's fine. Connor Harrell will start instead of Drake May. He's only a three-star, but he is going up against a weak defense. So I do think that he can perform more than admirably enough for the Tar Heels to cover the number. And then give me Oki State minus three and a half. Aggies lost way more to defections. And with a new head coach, they're just probably pushing the reset button the Aggies are. Meanwhile, the Pokes have a great rushing attack. That should ta- challenge this AM front. So I like Oklahoma State as favorites, Aaron. So I really loved Brad's case about MVP, where you take the winner of the Ravens Dolphins and bet like Tua, mm-hmm. for example, at 10 to 1 for MVP. I think that's kind of fun because I would love to be sitting here next week and then like it flips and he's the favorite. Um, but I also think it's, it's also fun to just bet Josh Allen at 14 to one at bet MGM as well. Which one help me, help me make my decision here. Allen, Josh Allen. I feel like it's Allen. Okay. Better value, a little tougher path, I think though. But, uh, what a fun story. I agree, and I also wonder, too, if Tua will also deal with the same complaints that, like, Brock Purdy did, where it's the infrastructure, it's the play True. design, it's, you know, all the playmakers around it's him. Like, I think Tua is likelier. Yeah. Yeah, Tua is likelier to succumb to that than Josh All right. Josh so here's Allen, a question. 14-1. Yeah. What's up? It doesn't, like... If Stefanski or Campbell are going to win coach of the year and let's say Flacco or Baker, because none of us feel strongly about Hamlin winning comeback player. So let's say Flacco or Baker win. That's all I have to say to that. And Ed Egros. We will do the work for you on the BetQL Network. Go for the betting cycle on BetQL with Cody Decker. Cody Decker, former professional baseball player, turned professional smartass on the radio. Sports handicapper Rob Brown. When Penix Jr. plays USC, he's getting 400 yards. Cycling all the top plays. And Cody Decker, I think Florida can cover today. And one outrageous show parlay. One, two, three. Ah! Oh! Let the chaos begin. It's Bet for the Cycle on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. You're saying maybe there's value or a case for Tyreek for Offensive Player of the Year? The thing is, when you watch CMC play, like I was watching him play thinking, oh my gosh, he's like he could get injured. What if he gets injured, you know? And then Tyreek's right in it. That's possible. And and Tyreek, you know, may still not be, like, quite 100%. And and that's going to matter. Like, what's Waddle's uh, abilities, you know, and all of that stuff. And I also think, too, if you're talking about offensive player, like, the offense does have to run through CMC. Like, he does have to be impactful. You can game plan around not using Tyreek as much. And that's probably well, how uh, I But, like, it. with Trent Williams injured, they had – it was, seemed like every play was just going to CMC, and I was just like, oh, my gosh, please don't get injured. Right. It was like <laughs> – You're right. <laughs> the way he plays, I was nervous for the guy. Like, he was their offense <laughs> the other mm-hmm. night. 
All right, I'm going to do a double-double um, Giannis and Luca parlay that together. It's minus 164, though. It's not do great. It. But they're both it's leaders right. and double-doubles. I'm not that nervous. We'll be fine. Yeah, it's fine. No big <laughs> deal. Jake, you got any bets today? Uh, I'm going to tell Rick Camp on his rebound prop that he gave in the Knicks game. Go listen to that. Uh, at mm-hmm. Plus money. I really like that. Like, and I'm going to join you on Okie State with everybody leaving Texas A&M by the boatload. <laughs> We've seen this in a couple bo- bowl games already in the last week or so. Like Schools that are losing all of their players and coaches, they just get smoked. So right. I'm just going gonna, gonna to join you on that uh, with the pokes. I'll lay the number. And I think it's something, too, where even though A&M has had some fantastic recruiting classes, you like the depth that they have, it's all about hitting the reset button. New head coach, he wants to get the talent he wants in there. This is more of an evaluation process than it is trying to win a football game. So that's the way that I see it. Thanks for watching and listening to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. For those listening, next up is Jim Rome. For those watching on Twitch and YouTube, stay tuned for The Daily Tip. Take care, everybody.